In the early days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com. Welcome, welcome everyone. Welcome to episode 36 of the Culture of Peace podcast. My name is Luke Tatum and this is the show where I interview people who are advancing the message of liberty and changing the culture for the better. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, but I love all the support. I love that you are all listening in every episode, checking out what I have to say and what our guests have to say and appreciating the guests that I'm choosing for the episodes. I know last episode was an AMA, and I was just kind of taking audience questions. Uh, Hody Johns, thanks so much. This is your personal shout-out for joining on the uh, Patreon for Culture of Peace. So if you're interested in that, it's patreon.com slash cultureofpeace. You can also support the show there and get some cool perks, like a 10-minute or longer video on a subject of your choosing. Be happy to do that for you. And, you know, I just appreciate all the support, whether it's monetary or not. Some things like sharing, leaving a review, all that, they, they mean a lot too. So whatever you can do, however you can help out, it's much appreciated. And again, thanks for being here. So today's episode, going to have show notes over at luketatum.com slash 36, since this is episode 36. And uh, before we get into it, so we're actually going to do something different on this sh- this episode. It's my appearance on Ben Pangy's program, Homesteads and Homeschools. So I know that you might have heard I was going to have a CEO on the show, a foreign CEO. He's in Turkey, and there's a big time zone difference. So it's been very, very difficult to make our schedules line up. Um, Hopefully that will be happening on the next episode, but I sort of had to pull this one out just short notice. So this is a pre-recorded episode, me appearing on homesteads and homeschools, but you can get links to that stuff over at luketatum.com slash 36, or you can go directly to homesteadsandhomeschools.com, because I would recommend checking out his podcast as well. It's super good. A couple of quick announcements before we get into it. If you have not heard Since March, I've been putting together a team to make our very own video game for iOS and Android. We're calling ourselves Human Action Studios. Nice little nod to Ludwig von von Mises. And our first game is called Dummy Corporation. You can learn more about that over at dummycorporationgame.com, or you can just search Dummy Corporation The Game on Facebook. It'll pop right up. Uh, We will be kicking off a crowdfunding campaign on September the 16th. That's a Monday, and this is 2019. So Monday, September 16th, 2019, we'll be doing that. It's on Indiegogo, and I've already got a pre-launch page up, so you can check that out. It's linked to all over the place on Facebook. So, and as, as always on something like that, I'm a Facebook message away if you have any questions feedback, you want to know more, just reach out to me. Always happy to talk to anyone. And, you know, do, again, do subscribe to Ben's show after you hear this interview with me. I thought it was a very good personal interview, and I really got into some stuff that I don't get a lot of opportunity to talk about, so it's a lot of fun. Um, There will be a bit of music as we transition into and out of this episode on his show. So, but other than that, other than like just trimming the beginning and end, I did not do any editing at all. So it's just the raw episode as it appeared on his show. Without further ado, here's the episode.
it turned out to be the howling of a dog Or a wolf to be exact The sound sent shivers down my back But I was drawn into the pack And before long They allowed me to join in and sing their song my guest today is Luke Tatum. He uh, runs the the show over at the Culture of Peace podcast. That is his baby. He's got that going, um, and uh, he's a he's a homeschooling dad. He um, he's got a kid, and he does some homeschooling. And I figured we'd have him on today to uh, to talk about that a little bit. So, uh, Luke, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on and, and uh, sharing with us. Of course, yeah, Ben. Thanks for having me. I always try to kind of start from the beginning, I guess. So you go back to your childhood and and, and your your education. Um, you went to public school for the most part, right? Yeah, I was homeschooled briefly, like first and second grade, and then re-entered public education. Um, so it was an interesting experience, but it was so long ago that I really barely remember the homeschooling stuff, like. I was, you know, kind of the nerd kid, and so I didn't want to do a lot of the things that I guess I could get as an advantage of being homeschooled. Like, I didn't really want to go outside a lot more. I wanted to stay inside and do other stuff. Um, so, yeah, interesting interesting experience, to say the least. <laughs> how how, is, um, how are your memories of, of public school then? Was it something you enjoyed uh through your, through your high school and stuff, or is it something that's kind of, you know, whatever is what it is? And uh... Oh, well, gosh, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty polarized on most things, right? Um, so I, you know, detest public school, and that's probably putting it lightly. And, uh, you know, and it's not that I had like a well- articulated position on public education when I was in school. Um, my transition to being like more of a libertarian happened well after I dropped out of college. But uh, when I was in school, I started out as kind of a straight A, A-plus kid and, you know, really, really, really focused on academic success because that's you know, the pressures that I was being put under, right? So my parents wanted me to make good grades because you need to make good grades so you can go to a good college, so you can get a good degree, so you can get a good job. I mean, you know the story, right? And yeah. so I was kind of doing that. And then at in, let's see, in the sixth grade, I got a B in one of my classes and I was so utterly devastated and just, you know, it was emotionally traumatic to me that like I hadn't made it to that standard that I'd been holding myself to. And I know like a lot of people uh, and I know some personally who have developed some, uh, I'm not really sure what the right term is, disorders or, um, you know, mental issues from like being held to those kind of standards. So I'm kind of glad mm -hmm. this happened to me looking back. Um, but after that, after I made that B, I really didn't care that much anymore. Um, and it's not to say that I did poorly in school after that, but like, for example, in, uh, in high school, I had, you know, I didn't really push myself that much. And so I took pre-cal instead of like taking pre-cal earlier and then getting into like calculus two before getting out of high school. And um, so I was taking pre-cal my senior year and I would like skip most of the homework assignments because the way she did the grading, I could just do well on the tests and get a B in the class. So I said, eh, hell, I'll just, I'll just do that. I'll get a B and that's fine. So, you know, it, uh, to answer your question directly, you know, I hated school, but to kind of get into some of those others, we can go over you want to with it. Um, but I just, I only did what I had to do and to be in like good enough standing, I guess, if yeah, that makes sense. That's, yeah, for sure. That, that is, um, 
that's kind of my story to, <laughs> to a T like, I, you know, elementary school is great. You know, middle school started out pretty good. And then, you know, I, I had this one class and I just bombed it. And it was like, I don't know, I think it was like a, an English class. And that was what I had always done well in. And I realized it's it just, I had this, I don't know if you want to call it an epiphany or not, but it was like, this doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, like this doesn't matter. It really like life goes on and, you know, my parents might be upset and everything, but, uh, it, it's, it's not that big of a deal. And, um, you know, the same thing, even in, in high school, like I, you know, was in advanced math or whatever and, and took pre-calc my junior year and then senior year, I, I took senior math instead of taking calculus, you know, like, and that was like my only class that was a full year class. Everything else I took electives and I was just like, like just coast. It's just cause it didn't matter. You know, um, it's, it's, it's funny how that, ah, come around the same, same things. But, um, so I don't know. Um, I guess then your, your wife is, did she have sort of the same experience or was she kind of a little more into school? Do you know? Well, so, I mean, she went to public school as well. Um, she moved around a bit and so a little bit more of a, uh, achiever, I guess. And that way she actually, uh, was doing some like college credit things before, um, going off to college. She actually went out of state to do, some college-based things, um, you know, pretty early. And so that's really cool. That's one of the things that, you know, I love about her, right, is she's very smart, and that's for a lot of people how intelligence is manifested or, or at least measured. You know, people go to prestigious colleges. They, you know, get degrees, things like that. Now, with with her, it's interesting because, you know, we got together – we um had a our son you know he's now 8 years old and she was still in school she was doing a pre med degree uh in college and so with only a handful of classes left to take um she left college to spend more time with our son and started a home based business and you know that was kind of a whole uh thing we have been doing that for a long time but um you know, now both of us kind of have this clarity where it's like there's absolutely no way we would want to send our son to public school. But, you know, I couldn't tell you maybe her story like when she decided that, uh, but I know that's where we are now. Yeah. Was that a conversation you guys had to have, um, you know, while your son was, I don't know, the, the before kindergarten age? Um, is that something you guys talked about or was it just something you kind of new oh yeah i mean before before he was born even um you know and so he's autistic and we didn't know that until you know a few years in uh but even beforehand it's like you know regardless of the circumstances there's this i guess with both of us this disdain uh this just almost hate you know for public education and like the intellectual opportunities that it robs you of and things. So that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pretty uh, intense person on a few issues and education is definitely one of those where I just, it's, it's not even a question to me. Yeah, it definitely, um, it can, it can strike people either way. You know, there's, I think a lot of people that don't like public school really don't like public school. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, some people out there that are, you know, really like public school, but, you know, I, talking to kids and, and teaching and no, I don't really recall seeing too many kids that, you know, absolutely love to be there and absolutely, you know, it's uh, I don't know, but it's an interesting kind of thing to think about that, that dichotomy of people that really like school and really don't like school. And there's not a lot of people that really like school. And, and you wonder, you wonder why, you know, what, what is that? What, what are we doing here? That's making so many people, um, not well, enjoy school. Right. It's, it's at best passable, uh, as a, you know, it, it's serviceable. It's something you can get something out of, but 
you know, we don't have that kind of standard in the private sector. When you pay for something, you expect the service to be good. Uh, if it's lackluster in any way, you know, most companies have a, you know, not satisfied, return it and get your money back. That kind of a program where public education, you know, you have truancy laws, you have all kinds of things. Like, well, tough, man. You got to go. You got to send your kids. And it's it's not even an option, I don't think, in most people's minds. It's this is what you do. And we're turning our children over to the state to be educated however they decide. Mm-hmm. It's not a good deal. No, it, it is. It's it's uh, it's one of those things, you know, where yeah, if that happened in the private sector, you know, you have a, a painter that comes over and does a crappy job, you're not going to call him back next time you need your, your house painted. You know, it's just not going to happen. And And people get so locked into that idea that, school is what you do. Like there is no other option. Um, and it, it, there is, there is another option and, uh, you know, it's, it's doable. It's, it, homeschooling is tough. You know, it has its moments. I'm I'm sure you, you have them, (laughs) you know, but, um, I think in the end, you know, it's, it's all worth it. You know, when, when you think about who gets the benefit, you know, um, you as a parent get some benefit, sure, but you know your kid growing up um, just reaps huge, huge harvests from from being homeschooled. I think, um, you know, and I've seen it there. Just that freedom to actually learn and to enjoy learning and to learn what they want to learn. And in the end, if they're learning what they want to learn, they're going to learn everything they need to know. Um, yeah, and you know, it is a scary thing in some ways because it's like. Well, especially with with my son, he he's again, he's autistic. And so he's a little delayed. It's not that he's not intelligent. It's just he's learning differently. In some cases, he's learning slower in some cases. And but you can tell interacting with him. And of course, as much as I see him, I see a lot of this. He's very intelligent. And he's what's what's great is he's very directed to learn without even us having to like sit down and say, okay, we're going to spend this time learning about X or Y. He, um, he has an app, like, you know, we have a tablet for him and there's this app called Otsimo that it's basically a way to run trials on different, uh, targets for, basic skills like recognition of shapes, recognition of emotions, um, you know, sequences of numbers, things like that. And there's a lot of gradually increasing complexity and a lot of controls that parents have. And, you know, we introduced him to the game. At first he thought, oh, you know, I don't really like this that much. And he would just play it when we asked him. But then after, gosh, about a week, a week and a half, he just started opening it up two, three, four times a day and working on a few trials and, you know, it's great. So he's mastered a lot of skills just because he wants to improve. And that's the kind of thing that you do not have the option to do in public school. If I want to work on writing, I don't get to do that. I'm in history class or whatever. Um, If I want to work on developing a business or something like that. That's not even a class. You can't do that. (laughs) Uh, You know, not even for part of your day. It's very specialized, but it's almost too specialized, almost just segmented apart into different things that you have to do. There's no, not a lot of synthesis that goes on in in public school, I don't think. But um, so going, going back to your son and I guess, so I guess you guys were kind of had your minds made up that, uh, you wanted to, to homeschool. Um, when you, when you figured out that, um, your son was, was autistic, did that give you guys some pause and, and, you know, make you think, well, maybe, maybe homeschooling isn't, isn't going to work for us. Or was it something you just kind of plowed on through and said, we're, we're, you know, you're going to take it in stride or. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, I guess we had a conversation at one point where it's like, okay, look, the school district has some free resources. 
And of course, they're not really free, right? We're all taxed <laughs> to pay for them, we property taxes. Yeah. But, you know, free given the environment that we're in, it's no additional cost. And then, you know, I had someone in my family that works with special education in a certain school district, not where we live, but recommending to us and, you know, giving us their card and saying, you really ought to do this. It's the best thing for your son. And so there was some pressure for yeah, that. Recommend to, to go to public school? Yeah. Or? Yeah. I'm sorry okay. for not being specific. No, uh, but we we did talk about that. And ultimately, I guess what it came down to is, you know, we're around him the most. We understand what his needs are, the little subtle uh, nonverbal cues that he gives, because for several years he was nonverbal. And that's how we determined that he was autistic. That's why we took him in to be uh, examined and potentially diagnosed is, you know, we thought, okay, maybe he's got a speech delay. And then you think another year has gone by. This is a pretty long speech delay. And then like another year goes by. And so um, at first we got his hearing tested and that was difficult because he didn't understand what the test was and he still couldn't figure it out. So anyway, we got the autism diagnosis and he, the person who did the diagnosis said, what I recommend is 30 to 40 hours of applied behavior analysis therapy uh, per week to get him kind of caught up. And that's kind of basic skills therapy and it's reward based, uh, which is really cool. And we can get into that in detail if you want to. But we got that recommendation and, you know, 40 hours a week is school. That's full time so it was like, okay, is the school going to be working with him one-on-one, -on -one, building his skills, you know, for that full amount of time? No, they're going to be trying to manage the relative chaos of, you know, a large special needs class. Everyone has different things that they need. Autism is kind of a big umbrella term. There's... Asperger's, then there's plenty of other things too. Um, what my son has is kind of the generic catch-all term. He's a not otherwise specified or NOS um, autistic, you know, so it's, there's a lot there. And to think that you can just lump everyone into special ed and put them in a room, I mean, not to mention the abuses that have come out of some special ed classrooms in the last, especially in the last few years. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just the case kind of built itself as we really talk through it. And so, yeah, it was like, okay, yes, there's some free resources, but no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would, I think I would probably, that would be the biggest hurdle, I think, making that decision because, you know, on the one side, you're looking at it that you do, you have these free resources. Um, you know, my mom was a, a special ed teacher. Oh. She just retired a little while ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so you kind of, you see that the, the school has those resources. You see that, you know, there's there's people that are, are trained to specifically work with this and that, and you're going to have all these things. But then, you know, like you said, at the same time, are is that really going to be what they're doing? You know, are they really going to be working on this for 40 hours a week? And, and that answer is no. Um, you know, and I don't know. Um, how was that for you guys then trying to, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out how to, to teach him or to, to work with him? You know, I mean, I, you know, it, it I assume that it's probably going to be different. Um, you know, and that's something you have to, learn or figure out um, how to do, you know? Yeah, I, and there's a learning curve for sure, but really, and if anyone listening has, you know, a child with autism, uh, applied behavior analysis or ABA really, really is incredible, and it does show measured improvements over time. 
you know, and that's kind of the whole model. Um, we toured a couple of different therapy centers. We're lucky enough to live in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex area. So there's several to choose from. And we, so we toured a few and they explained to us basically if your son is not making an improvement on a certain skill or in a certain area, that's our fault, not his fault. And we'll change how we're teaching it or change uh, how we're working with him until he can make improvement. Because if they want to continue to get paid basically by insurance, they need to show that they're being successful and there's a reason for him to be enrolled in the program. Um, so it's all very data driven. Everyone who works with him, you know, leaves comments. They have like the number of trials they've run on a certain skill. What was the success rate? There's, you know, ch charts and graphs and things you can look at to see improvement over time. And when you master something, then it goes into a maintenance program. So then they'll come back to it every now and again. I'm kind of getting away from your question, but, um, Sorry. but it's really, really incredible. And so what we've done is kind of adopted the same model here at home. Uh, we had in-home therapy for a while, which was awesome, you know, and paid for by insurance. So, a therapist comes out to the house, spends a few hours here, works with him on some things while my wife is working on something else. You know, I was at my work that uh, provides the insurance, but so I saw a little bit of it, but not too much. And really, we started to see that was effective. And so, again, my wife, you know, being as amazing as she is, she's just ingesting all of this information, just internalizing, learning the uh, kind of specialized lingo that goes with it. And I don't think that's even necessary, but, you know, you could. You certainly could learn all of it front to back. We bought some of the reference tools that the therapists go through to be trained. And so, like, we're, we pretty much understand the model. Uh, but even if you don't, like, the therapy center itself has mandatory parent meetings so basically they need to be able to show insurance but also us what the progress is make sure we're all on the same page and ensure that the parents are able to do the same stuff at home uh in the same way so they're like you don't want the mom and dad to undermine the efforts of the therapist or vice versa so it's just a lot of communication, a lot of, um, you know, changing things up if it doesn't work. And it's, um, you know, I can go into more detail on how the modeling works and everything, but it's just, you know, hey, you, you don't have a skill. Let's focus on that. Let's do, like, say it's social interaction stuff. You know, let's find another kid at the therapy center. Let's work together with this and find a way to make it work so that, you know, basically they can go to public school and function normally, or they can go into the real world and, you know, be successful. Uh, special ed, hopefully for a lot of these kids, doesn't have to be a lifelong stigma where they're like just never functioning normally. And kids do actually graduate from this therapy where they have like a lot of skills. And so it's just really, really cool. Yeah. Now is that like a, uh, I'm not familiar with it. Is that specific to like that center? Or is this kind of something that's uh, more of a teaching philosophy that is within the, the special ed community or well um, uh, applied, whatever it was applied. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, behavioral ABA. Yeah is the short way to say it. Um, there's, he's only been to one therapy center and I know, you know, as with anything, as with public schools, even there's going to be some places that are better than others and all that. But, uh, it's, it's pretty consistent and 
to anyone who knows about ABA, because it's been around since, I guess, like the 80s, there has been some negative stigma attached to it, especially when it was first introduced, where it's like, oh, you're just running the same trials over and over. You're like conditioning certain responses to certain um, stimulus and... There is some of that, I would say, but it's not, it's not making your kid an automaton. You know, you're not building a robot. You're, it's really a personal thing. And in fact, the first thing that a lot of the therapists have to do is to build rapport. So it's more about playing with the kid, getting to know them, learning how he works and how it's best to approach him on certain things so that they can teach effectively and, you know, get some of this stuff done. If you just jump right in, you know, you're a total stranger and you say, okay, I need you to do this. Then, I mean, who's going to do that, right? Adults don't do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so why yeah. would you expect no, yeah. kids to do that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so how, how long did he, was he at the, the therapy place for? Uh, so he's still going now full time. Um, we, you know, at this point, he's developed enough skills like we could cut back and he'd still be doing really, really well. Uh, we could do 30 hours or something like that. It'd be fine. Uh, the more he does, the better. But there's also like some fatigue and it's kind of cool to have the option to say, eh, you know, we don't need to do that much. Uh, again, in contrast with public school where it's mandatory. You don't have a choice. I guess what then what um what does your guy's day sort of look like with with him then? Do you go to, does your wife take him to therapy and, and you kind of hang out there? Or you come home and do stuff because I know you, you mentioned at one point in time I think you you um were using uh, like like pictures and stuff um kind of I think I, I don't remember exactly <laughs> but <laughs> uh, well yeah we we do use a lot of things at home and. You know, at this point, we're actually able to focus on some more academic material. Like we've done a little bit of the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum and stuff like some of the free lessons to get him started on some of the reading and and math based stuff. Um, Still a work in progress, but, you know, we can we can go through those and we're planning to at least experiment with that once he's ready, uh, whenever that is. And. Uh, so for his day, you know, he he's a morning person, which is awesome. He's always really happy in the morning, uh, happier than us because we need <laughs> coffee to get going. But um, so we get up and if I am closing at work because I have the curse of working retail, uh, so my schedule is different all the time. So if I'm working late, then I will take him to therapy and drop him off, see who he's working with for the day. Like he has basically a team of different people who might work with him. So I don't know that day, like which person is going to be there waiting in the lobby, but it doesn't matter because they've all spent time building rapport, working with him and all that. So um, he has favorites, but you know, (laughs) whatever. And so So we get ready, have our breakfast at the table as a family, usually kind of go through his routine. We have printed routines for him to kind of make sure he does all of his um, morning prep, like brush your hair and your teeth, you know, take any medicine. He has asthma, so we have to like give him an inhaler and stuff. So um, go through all those things, get him to therapy, and then they will... Uh, they have like little lockers there, so they'll get his stuff together. He can take toys in if he wants to that they can use like as a reinforcement for doing stuff correctly, um, you know, all that. And then they'll just run trials. So like whatever his current targets are, they will uh, say it's like responding to someone calling your name. So they'll at different points throughout the day call his name and see if he responds and take data on that, you know, how many were successful trials. And they have a circle time where they 
all get together and like sing songs, uh, and, you know, at like a days of the week song and some goofy mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at first he hated that. He had this real, real big thing where he did not want people to sing music. And so he had to kind of overcome that. That's thankfully in the past now, and he participates. Uh, but so that's in the morning, and then he has his day. They have a pre-scheduled snack time. If he's there all day, he has a scheduled lunch time later. So we pack his lunch every day and send it to him. And then, uh, you know, whichever way the day goes for my schedule, either my wife or myself will go pick him up. And we will, you know, goof off at home. We'll do a little homeschooling in the evening, have dinner together. You know, it's it's kind of a nuclear family focused thing. Yeah, that that's um, that sounds nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> it works for us. It's, man. It's some, well, there's something to be, to be said about being able to to sit down as a family and and do some of those things that uh, I don't know. I feel like. We don't do anymore. People don't do anymore. But uh, that's seen the hair now there. Um, <laughs> you, so uh, if if he was if he was in public school, would he be going to public school instead of um, the the therapy place, or would he? How, how well? What would that be like? Most of the kids at the therapy center, like their focus is to be better adapted to the public school environment. So they may, in some cases, go to public school part of the day, then go to therapy. Some of them uh, go to therapy during the summer instead of during the regular school year or vice versa. They might only do therapy during the regular school year. Um, My son goes all year because that's his primary thing. And, you know, he needs to interact with other kids and all that. So, uh, but then... We, um, well, he, (laughs) sorry, he, um, will, you know, he'll go to that and, um, our model's kind of unique. There's not really a lot of kids that, that do the way that we do. You know, it's, it's mostly that public school focus and he, um, he seems to really enjoy like getting to know the different kids that come in and. He like knows now which days of the week certain people will be there and like he'll anticipate seeing them. So that's really cool to see. Um, but, but yeah, for a lot of kids, it's, it's about like, okay, how can I pawn my kid off on the public school system (laughs) and have them manage okay there? Which just goes to show you again, like how insufficient the existing model is, the existing school system. But, if he wanted to go to public school, we could do that and we could have a therapist actually go with him to help him uh, function in, you know, the local school district. I I am not sure how well that would really work, like in what liberties they w- would have to do things. I, my suspicion is it wouldn't be as good as it sounds, but... I'm also kind of cynical and, you know, just when the public school's involved, I kind of have this negative um, perception of that already. Uh, so who knows? Who uh, knows? You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's more restrictions there. Right. In, in a public school. No question. Just, no question. You know, even all things being equal, there's, there's more restriction and that's, that's enough to make a difference. But, um, have you, I'm, I'm curious if you've gotten any pushback from, I don't know if insurance would say something or, or people at the, um, at the center there or other people that, um, you know, he, your, your son's not in public school that he doesn't, doesn't go to these, you know, four cinder block walls and, and hang out with the, you know, I mean, is anybody giving you any, any problems about that or said anything to you guys? Well, no, I, I wouldn't say okay. we've had too much of that family is just happy that he's making progress you know at first it was harder to tell when he first started the therapy it was he was still nonverbal, and so it's like okay well but you know what can you show me that has changed and now that he's 
able to say a lot of things and he's working on basic academic skills and all that. It's just, it's a lot easier and he's a lot happier. That's something too. Part of it is we didn't know he was asthmatic for a long time because he wasn't like wheezing or anything. Uh, and so when we found that out and started to treat the asthma, that improved his mood. But also having like a routine where he's going out of the house, he's seeing other people um, to work on things. He's, you know, reinforced for being successful. And there's not like, there's no time out. There's no, you know, <laughs> it's, there's yeah. no go to the principal's office um, or any of that stuff. And so it's a pretty positive thing for him. And it's really been awesome to see him, you know, again, develop this desire to push himself and to learn new things, even when we're not asking him to. And that has been probably the most rewarding thing. It's just like, hey, you're sitting here teaching yourself about shapes, you know, and he'll like laugh about, you know, the the word oval. He really likes the word oval. So um, he'll just like giggle and say oval. Um, and that's like awesome because a couple of years ago, you know, he was just barely learning a few words. So it's been great. I imagine that would be difficult, I think, to 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 have a child that's nonverbal and to gauge, you know, is this working? Is this not working? And 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 how do you tell? Oh, totally. Um, yeah, it's, I, I can. It's the worst. <laughs> I, I I would have a very hard time with that. Um, trying to trying to keep it all together. But, but um, again, you know, going back to the whole, we know what he needs the best thing. We learn to pick up on his nonverbal cues. Other people would not be in a position to do that, or you know, especially in public school, they wouldn't be. I guess paying enough attention to him specifically to like catch the little subtle things that help you deal with that situation. And, you know, we're his parents. We love him. We do anything for him. And that's also an element that's missing in a lot of places. So it's just been, it's just been really, really eye opening to see the kind of difference. Like, cause my wife and I, we went to public school we know <laughs> more or less how that would have gone. Uh, and it couldn't have been better being in special education. I think it only could have been like a downgrade. And that's just, it's unreal. It's totally unreal. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I would, I don't think I would want to have to deal with that in a public <laughs> school. Um, I just, you know, and because of that, because, you know, it, even if a teacher is, is fully devoted to that child, um, they're, they're, they, they don't spend the same amount of time that you do with that child. They don't have the same emotions that you have toward that child. And they're going to miss some of those nonverbal cues that, that you're going to pick up on. Um, and I mean, imagine being a, a child that you can't communicate with somebody because they, they don't understand you mm -hmm. and, and you're forced to sit there and, and be in this box for that long with somebody who understands you half the time. Um, that's, that's crazy. Well, and that's scary. What we had done, um, I won't spend too much time on this, but what we were doing while he was nonverbal to try to help him learn how to form sentences and, and try to get him talking. We had, Oh, this is what you were talking about earlier with the pictures. I kind of forgot to even go there, but uh, it's called PECS, P-E-C-S, Picture Exchange Communication System, uh, where basically you will have little images of common things like different foods that they like or or whatever. And then what we were doing, we had a sentence strip. So we put little pieces of Velcro on the back of the photos. And we had like an I want picture and some some basic like uh, linking verbs and things like that. And so we would have him, if he wanted to request for something, he would put a I want card and then a card for like a hamburger on the sentence strip. It's a little strip of Velcro. 
and bring it to one of us. And so it's like, okay, you need to come to me and request what you're wanting so that I know what you want. You can't just like cry. You know, he was really young. Like <laughs> that's, that was it. And babies do that. But as he's getting older and not picking up all the language skills, even though we were really trying, man, to, with the knowledge that we had, we were really trying everything we could come, come up with to develop that, like really um, putting subtitles on everything. If there was something on the TV or, or whatever, we're trying to expose him to language all the time, as much as we could read to him uh, as much as we could, you know, and it just wasn't taking. And so that was really kind of scary, kind of frustrating because it's like, what do we do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> why, why is he not hearing or understanding what we're doing? Oh, I, yeah, I, I, that is one thing that I think unless you're a parent, you will never understand. Um, when, when there's something amiss with your child and it doesn't matter what it is, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't know what it is, it's just it's terrifying. Right. You know? It's, it's not just some <laughs> kid. It's your kid. Right. You're the guy or the girl, you know, you're the people that have to figure it out because, Human beings, for whatever reason, are these weak little things that don't know how to do anything. <laughs> so all, the, all that blood flow to that that brain, just you know, get rid of those brains, it would be all right. I guess. <laughs> so, um, so you, you mentioned that uh, you're dabbling with the the Ron Paul curriculum. There, have you guys looked at or, or considered any other sort of curriculums or, or anything out there that might be? a little more specific to uh, your needs or just kind of adapt what what's out there? Good question. We've, we've kind of got a few things like some kindergarten skills, first grade skills, like books and things where we can go through. And that's great to get ideas on things to work on. Like um, I, that's probably the first place we saw like the recognition of shapes thing. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, this is a square, this is a circle, maybe we should work on that. And, you know, it's it's funny, because I think people worry with homeschooling that you're not going to teach them the right things in the right order. And like, because public school is so rigid, and all that, like, oh, this is the way you have to do it so that you'll learn everything correctly. And mm -hmm. that's just totally not true. You know, if you just follow what the kid is willing to learn and willing to participate in and what they like and to make the um, the learning something that they enjoy, then, you know, again, they're kind of self-directed. So, you know, we work through a book. It's like, hey, you really like puzzles. Okay, let's do puzzles for a while and kind of figure that out. And, oh, okay, um, Let's let's learn some basic animal sounds, you know, or whatever, yeah. and then they can complete some of these workbooks and things like that. So it's been, you know, I mentioned the Ron Paul uh, curriculum by name, but it's been really an amalgamation of a bunch of things where we're just picking and choosing, you know, a Google search, or if you're into like data privacy, a DuckDuckGo search. <laughs> You know, that kind of thing will just give you so much. It's, it's totally, you know, it's 2019, right? Like you, you can't just pretend like there's not all these resources out there. If you have a question, type it into YouTube and it's like, there you go. Someone else had that question and made a video about answering it. So, um, and, you know, he loves YouTube videos, too. So it's like, oh, look at this goofy guy. You know, sometimes he'll say, um, <laughs> like, um, oh, my gosh, I can't remember the guy's name right now. There was some video where he was, like, just reciting the beginning of it over and over. Like, hi, I'm Chris, you know. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, that kind of stuff is just hilarious. And whatever makes him enjoy it, get a kick out of it, and want to come back and learn more, like, that's what you need to do as a parent. You, especially with the autism thing, you have to be adaptable and have a good sense of humor and just do what you need to do. All right, man. Sounds good. I, I, I appreciate that. That's um, some interesting stuff there. It's good stuff. It's, uh, 
it's a situation that you know not not many people find themselves in, but it's one that uh, I think it's important to to know and to to hear about and to have that sort of information out there because if if you are in in that sort of situation, you know, it's it's good to know, it's good to to hear about it and to to learn. But um, so yeah, you you uh, host a, a podcast over there. Um, What's that called? Sure. Where can we find that? (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, Culture of Peace is the name of the podcast. It's actually not at cultureofpeacepodcast.com. I own that domain, but I haven't built a website yet. Uh, It's at luketatum.com. So just search my name. Just type it in, luketatum.com. Most of the posts on that site are episodes of my show. So just kind of scroll through there. I have a couple of things on education but it's an interview show, right? I have people on that are doing good things, basically people who are moving the culture in the right direction, not right as in the political right, but like correct, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So it's a fun show. I've got 30, 31 episodes right now, and it's bi-weekly, so it's not real frequent. It's about 30 minutes long, but I'm just finding random people that are doing something awesome and trying to bring attention to that. So LukeTatum.com or just search on Facebook, Culture of Peace Podcast. All right. I'll put all those links in the, uh, in the show notes. And uh, hey, you always have uh, interesting things on the, on the Facebook too, interesting little articles and, and blurbs. So oh, well, thank you. Should, should follow that just to, just to find some of those. But. All right, Luke. Thank you. I uh, appreciate your time. Hey, thank you. I really enjoyed it, and I love what you're doing also. Well, there you have it. Hope you enjoyed that episode. LukeTatum.com slash 36 again for the show notes page. Find all the links to Ben's podcast, or you can just go to homesteadsandhomeschools.com to check his work out. He is also the co-host of Free Markets Green Earth with our frequent guest here, Nick Bacone. So that is a lot of fun as well. Recommend both of those shows. Oh, and again, look up Dummy Corporation, the game on Facebook, so you can see what we've been up to with that. It's going to be a really, really fun game. It's got a little bit of libertarianism mixed in there, just into the plot, but it's primarily a fun game game. <laughs> this will not be a uh, boring libertarian thing. It's it's going to be a fun game, and it's just going to have some nuggets kind of mixed in. So anyway, thanks everyone. See you next time.